Hello and welcome to another edition of the Leaders Performance Podcast. My name is John Porch, the editor here at the Leaders Performance Institute, and I hope you're all staying safe and healthy wherever you happen to be listening to this. Today I'm talking to Kat Shin, the Biomechanics Project Lead at the English Institute of Sport, and I've enlisted her help to explain why biomechanics, that's the science of movement of the living body, can help your team to win. The EIS supports nearly 40 sports, some of which have had established biomechanics support, including bespoke labs, for upwards of 14 years. But Kat's role allows field-based access to biomechanics support for those sports that do not otherwise have biomechanics embedded within their performance teams. It's certainly been eye-opening for those coaches involved to have access to evidence-based data that can inform their training work or even their athletes' skill acquisition, strength and conditioning or rehab work. And that's just a few areas. Kat also told me that coaches, SNCs and physios, to name but a few, use some principles of biomechanics on a daily basis, but just about labelling it. Kat and the biomechanics team at the EIS help sports and their multidisciplinary practitioners to identify, develop and optimise their understanding of human movement to improve performance and reduce injury. Practitioners and coaches, some of whom may never have worked with a biomechanist, have used biomechanics projects to challenge their beliefs or ask different questions in the pursuit of what it takes to win. Anyway, Kat's role is fairly new. Starting in 2018, although she's been at the Institute since 2014, having previously been a practitioner, research assistant and scholar at British Athletics and British Canoeing. In fact, she just recently completed her PhD, combining her studies with her day-to-day work helping to prepare the nation's Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Well, it's better if Kat tells you that herself. But just before that, I wanted to give you a quick reminder that you can find performance insights of this nature, whether it be podcasts, articles or videos, at leadersinsport.com forward slash performance where Leaders Performance Institute membership will grant you access to all of that insight across themes relating to leadership and culture, coaching and development, human performance, as well as data and innovation. Right, that's enough housekeeping. Let's get on with the show. Kat Shin, welcome to the Leaders Performance Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me along. I wondered if we could kick things off with a simple one. What is biomechanics? I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who at the very least could do with a refresher. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good question because I think the word biomechanics can be a little bit intimidating at first or it sounds like it's going to be something really overly complicated. And if you break the word down, it is actually clear within that that it's mechanics applied to human, to biology. So a biomechanist is kind of part physicist, part data scientist, part performance analyst, part SNC, part physio, part coach even. So put that another way, essentially all of those roles involve some sort of biomechanics. So everyone is almost using biomechanics every day. So there's there's underpinning parts to performance of, of human movement and, and what underpins it that essentially is biomechanics. So if you're looking at technique or injury prevention, you're using biomechanics in some way. Whether or not you're actually calling in that is a, is a different perspective, but it's, it's being used all the time everywhere. So with that in mind, can you tell us about your role at the English Institute of Sport? Yeah, so my role is a biomechanics project lead within the English Institute of Sport at the EIS. So this role was created about two and a half years ago now, and the idea was to be able to allow more sports to have access to biomechanics support. So within the IS, we've got a number of different disciplines. I think there's at least 12, including things like SNC and physiotherapy and psychology and physiology. Biomechanics is just one of those. And we obviously work alongside all those other disciplines to, to look at how we can improve performance and reduce injury. 
So my role specifically being project-based means that I'm not embedded in a sport. So a number of our practitioners are embedded in sports and they spend all of their time primarily with one sport and looking at having more of a focus area. My role was because we have 38 sports, I believe it is, supported by the EIS. So we have four sports that have biomechanists embedded in them. And then that meant 34 who didn't currently have access to a biomechanist. So my role was created to try and allow these sports to access biomechanics on a project basis. So they can come to me or come to someone in the team and say, oh, you know, I've been thinking about how this works. And then I'll go along and speak to them and try and work out what the problem is, whether it's biomechanics, whether I can help, whether it's a case of consultation or running a project or just providing some support on, on a kind of one-off purpose to hopefully try and get to the bottom of where their performance question or injury question is and to, yeah, hopefully impact positively in there. And how did you end up at the EIS? Yes, yeah, so I'm pretty lucky, actually, in that I managed to follow the bit of education that I like most and end up in a job at the end of it. So from sports science, I went through to sports biomechanics as a master's. And from during my master's, I did some work with, uh, with British Athletics and was able to see how biomechanics could really be applied. And I set up my own voluntary support team with the student club to make sure I was kind of getting as much experience as I possibly could. Um, and from the back of that, I, I got a funded PhD working with British Canoeing, so doing some applied biomechanics in the field. And that took me quite a number of years to complete. Um, and actually, I hadn't finished it when I started off this role. And I have quite recently passed my viva and finished my PhD. So I'm one of the lucky ones that I managed to follow the bit I love best. And it's worked out worked out for me so far. So, yeah, that's my, that's my path, really. What about your day-to-day role? And where does your department sit exactly? Yeah, so my day-to-day... It doesn't have a typical day. I don't. I don't have a typical day. So, it could be all sorts. There, there are nine sites around the country that are EIS bases, and I could be any one of those. So, I work from home or from the London office quite often. But if I'm doing any data collections or face-to-face meetings, I could be at any one of those sites. So, it, a typical project might run that I would have an introductory. So there would be a, potentially an offhand question or initial discussion about it. Uh, we then have a bit more of a meeting to try and understand and get to the nitty gritty of it. And then potentially we'd organise some pilot testing and data collection and then some data analysis and feed that back and kind of report it. So I might have three or four projects on the go at one time. Some of those might also be consultations that are a bit smaller. So kind of on any, any given day that could incorporate some meetings, it could incorporate some data analysis, some coding, some feeding back. There's kind of all sorts that, that go on in the day-to-day role. So yeah, it's quite a varied one and it involves quite a lot of travel, but it keeps me um, entertained most definitely. There's all sorts of all sorts of questions and variety within that. So it's, it's not about to get old anytime soon. And then biomechanics as a discipline sits under any part of sports science within the EIS. So there are, as I said, I think 12 disciplines. So we work in collaboration with a lot of those. We deal primarily with numbers and with data. So we work quite closely with performance analysts, but also with physios and SNCs who as I mentioned earlier, they're, they're using biomechanics, which underpins movement. So although they might not necessarily think of themselves as biomechanists, there's a, there's a bit of biomechanist in all of those guys. Too. Where do you feel you can best add value as a department and feed into the coaching process? Where have you had your greatest impact? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of different ways that we can impact the coaching process and, and the whole multidisciplinary team or the performance team overall. So I think one of the first ways that, that I would operate in that space is to is to identify what's important to go from what we call kind of a first principles analysis so to kind of throw out the rule book and say you know what 
what is it that's underpinning performance here? There might be kind of conceptions that have been involved in sports for a long time. And I like working best with coaches and with, with practitioners who are quite willing to be like, oh, well, this is conventional wisdom, but we don't necessarily know if that's true. And then we can kind of dig into depth a little bit and say, well, actually, we, we know there are kind of physical laws that underpin these. So how can we work from there and say, actually, what is what is most important to performance? So this kind of evidencing what it takes to win, as we might call it, is, is quite a big part of, of project roles and quite a big part of a biomechanist role within a sport. So that's kind of one of the one of the areas which we end up using quite a lot. What we also do is we always try and get really high quality data in the field. So that kind of opens us up to, to a slightly different array of challenges compared to a lot of biomechanists who might be more academic and who can bring things into the lab. So we work slightly differently because we're, because we are so applied and we're working within within the coaching process and within the multidisciplinary team that we can really try and get high quality data but directly in the field so that everyone that we're working with knows it's knows it's really valuable so there's a number of different areas that that we work in and the projects often fall into so one of those is is what it takes to win as i've said there's another one around injury risk which might be questions that come more from physiotherapists potentially whether we can understand the injury mechanisms behind some injuries that potentially occur quite often or whether we can support a kind of rehab or prehab structure or put some evidence behind how an intervention how an intervention is changing things there's some potentially more obvious ones so looking at interventions with equipment for example so we've had some really good impact in some of those areas so we've uh, did some work with some paralympic triathletes actually where we were looking at how prosthesis wearing would, would change how they run so we could look at things like pressure in the feet but we could also collect 3d kinematics as we as we call them but essentially movement data movement data of the whole body and we could look at how wearing a prosthesis changed or, or didn't change running and we could look at whether or not that was going to be that was likely to increase or decrease injury risk and by working as part of that team we could kind of see whether or not that was that was going to be a positive or, or potentially a negative to, to performance for someone who wasn't used to wearing a prosthesis so there's a load of areas. There's there's more. I can probably keep going. There's um, things specific things to disciplines maybe. So for example, with strength conditioning, I've done a couple of projects around training specificity. So it might be working in a sport where it's actually particularly difficult to understand the original demands of that sport, and therefore it's a bit more difficult to potentially understand how specific the training is. So whether that's a range of motion or a speed of a movement. And so by being able to collect this quality data in the field, we can then kind of feed that back to the whole coaching staff and see whether or not they are working in the area of specificity that they think they are. And then we've got other, other things that we can do about biofeedback. So looking at how we can use biomechanics to actually understand and improve an athlete's understanding. So there's a bit of almost proprioception and athletes, elite athletes tend to be really highly aware of how, of how they move. And there's a lot of value in kind of athlete feel but if we're trying to look at potentially further down the pathway and trying to create adaptations within these athletes who are, who are improving and who don't necessarily have as established a feel as, as elite athletes would have then we can start kind of trying to use um, things like biofeedback that might look at a certain range of motion or a certain movement and, and be able to provide audio or, or visual feedback so that there could potentially be a change in an understanding of what's happening for that athlete to almost train their proprioceptive awareness of what what's going on in their body so yeah there's there's a load of different um different ways in which we feed into that process and, and impact's been had in in a number of different areas but 
in particular kind of what it takes to win and, and providing evidence basis for, for coaching philosophies and in looking at equipment changes and I'd also say one of the one of the other areas that's been quite important is is understanding individualization so there's a growing field of research in variability and in differences between people and I think it's quite apparent now that the athletes there is not one size fits all model there's not we're not kind of trying to build these robots that will then just perfectly recreate movement what we want to do is understand how each athlete can achieve their own optimum and that won't necessarily be the same as how someone else does it so to understand some of the underpinning movements but then also how they vary and and, and where we can get potentially benefits from some athletes and that individualization extends as well into how they react to training and how they adapt and so by understanding and measuring some of these underpinning underpinning mechanics we can actually start to understand and build a picture around a given athlete and actually get the best out of them as an individual not just as a as a robot that's trying to perform a movement in a certain way you've suggested that biomechanics may be a greater part of the performance practitioners day than they may even know armed with that knowledge how can coaches and performance staff better leverage biomechanics in their day-to-day work I really believe it that people are using biomechanics whether or not they know it and whether or not they're using that word for it. So I think strength conditioning coaches and, and physios in, in particular, they, they probably do know it. They know they've got a bit of a biomechanist brain working within them. But I think there's quite a few ways in which they can be used. So one of those would be to, as I mentioned earlier, kind of throw out the rule book a bit, just challenge challenge your beliefs and just think, think back to basics of kind of what movements and, and what forces are kind of underpinning what's actually happening and can you kind of look at this look at the sport from a slightly different perspective and see whether or not that those questions or those performance questions are they experiential knowledge that's that's really valuable and can be combined with evidence so one of the things that um i did during my phd actually was interview coaches to understand their knowledge of a sport to then be able to combine it with biomechanical knowledge so that then subsequent studies had a lot more value as well so it's not to say that biomechanics knowledge goes goes against coaching knowledge at all I think those two marry up really nicely that if we can find that that area where coaching knowledge and empirical evidence can combine to to give us a really great understanding then that's that's amazing but sometimes you need to look at things in a slightly new way and to kind of think about well right what is underpinning this movement what what's the primary thing that, that needs to happen what's the output and look at it in a slightly different way and and biomechanics can help can help to do that another way in which i think it, is, it it helps is just in terms of understanding and and challenging and measuring so biomechanics is often involved with a lot of new tech technologies developing really really quickly and every time we get new technology and we can gain new insight into sport there's a whole level of understanding to, to be gained and often some things that were kind of scientifically and empir- empirically done um, a few years ago now there's technology to do those in say a more field-based setting or, or say in a more accurate way so that those kind of technologies are constantly adapting so it's kind of keeping keeping your thought processes a bit a bit flexible not kind of getting stuck into one idea of of this is what performance is so that that kind of variability idea comes under that as well that that was a perception previously that, that everyone was trying to achieve one perfect movement pattern and, it, and it's not really anymore so utilizing new technologies to keep challenging your perceptions and then if you don't have a biomechanist one of the ways that you can kind of better leverage biomechanics would probably be to just get your team together get 
as I said, there's a little bit of a biomechanist in all these different roles. And if you can put those brains together, then you can kind of think a bit more about, right, if, if you think how force is generated in the movement or how force might be generated uh, in a gym setting, and then you can try and see whether or not that links up with an injury risk. So if you can get those brains, the physio, the coach, the S&C, if you can get them kind of all, all together, and I'm sure a lot of sports are doing this anyway, but thinking about things maybe a bit more mechanically, a bit, a bit more from, the, from those first principles that we've talked about. I also wanted to ask how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted upon your work at the EIS. Obviously, everyone's been quite impacted by, by this changing working environment and we can't be collecting data in the field as, as, as the environment stands. So there are a number of parts of my role that have changed quite a lot in the current situation, but there are elements of it that are still able to be done. And there's quite a bit of opportunity within this situation as well. So looking at things like improving data interactivity and there's a bit of upskilling that I've got as part of my role as well to look at how people use coding languages and to try and upskill some of our, some of our staff within the discipline and performance analysis discipline as well to understand how we use data. And also, I think there's quite a big scope for people who are potentially thinking slightly differently. And where I've just talked about how people don't necessarily think about things from, from a slightly different viewpoint all the time, actually, this can give people the time and space to, to have that slightly different viewpoint. And hopefully then to think about things from a different area might make them think, oh, hang on, what about this? And how can we understand this better? So I think there will be some perspectives from the back of this of people who've had more time to think about it and might have more performance questions than they had before. The other side to that is that we had various projects that we were running, which we were hoping to have some impact before Tokyo. And now that Tokyo is a year later, we actually have potentially more chance to have impact in those projects. So rather than necessarily having one or two data points, we can have three or four and understand how things change across a kind of potentially a yearly training cycle. And again, the training cycle will have all been changed because of the environment. But if we can understand how these things change, as well as understanding what they look like at one point in time, then we get better understanding to have more legacy and to understand how a project, the findings from a project can continue to influence performance over the next few years, not just over the next couple of months, potentially. So for some projects, the extra time is actually gives them much more scope to have some impactful research conclusions. And for others, it, it can create more project ideas in, in other people's heads. So yeah, it's not, it's not all bad. <laughs> That's good to hear at least. Now, Kat, your role is relatively new. It must have taken some time to find your place. So what are some of the challenges you faced as a department within the EIS? I think a new role often has to learn things the hard way. And I, and I had my fair share of that, I think. We had um, quite a lot of new equipment that was available, or rather not new, but equipment which was available within the system but had potentially not been utilised as well as it could because there were people embedded in sports who, who had practices that they had to kind of continually and regularly do. So there were some technical issues, even, even from the beginning, to try and understand how kit worked that hadn't necessarily been used before. One of the fundamental ones actually was just trying to get word out about this new role. So previously sports either had biomechanics or they didn't. So to try and get people to, to realise that, you know, when they're having those conversations and going, oh, you know, I've got this physio that's, that's highlighting this injury that's, that's recurred a couple of times and, and the essence has got this perspective and we kind of combine these together. But we don't actually, we don't quite know what's causing it or what the underpinning 
measurements are. Whereas actually that's the perfect conversation to then go, oh, well, maybe we can get a project on the back of this and we can try and understand what's what's happening at that deeper level. And so that was quite difficult to start with. So we, we there's various ways in which we, we did get word out. And I think it's essentially it's now snowballed. So after a couple of years and a, and a few impactful projects, we've been able to infiltrate a bit more for want of another word so more sports are kind of becoming aware of the impact that projects have had in other places so that was that was always a challenge to start with one of the big ones for biomechanics in in all areas will will be kind of almost translating that a lot of the biomechanical measurements sound very technical and it can be quite difficult to kind of just translate so if I to use an example about looking at a movement pattern, for example, you might you might describe something as, as rotation, but then you start looking at it from a biomechanical perspective and you're kind of going, OK, well, rotation around which axis? And you have to understand that that we don't need to necessarily talk about it in those ways. It doesn't need to be, oh, OK, is that the X, Y or Z axis? It can be, OK, were they leaning forwards or not? So the, the kind of translation from layman's term and biomechanical language can be something that's, that's a little bit complicated sometimes. And I think that also stands for, for some coaching language that there's a number of sports that have kind of specifics to, to, that, to that sport where it's not necessarily apparent what the coaching language means in layman's terms either. So you've almost got these kind of three levels of language in which to understand and to cross and to make sure that those things are communicated and that, that the best solutions given and then everyone understands the impact and the, understands the data as well. So that's always a challenge for biomechanists, I think, but particularly for applied ones to, to have the soft skills and the, the understanding of the kind of uh, language used to be able to make sure that, that data can have impact, not just not just be kind of sat in a report and not actually not actually doing anything. So it sounds like some real lessons emerge from facing those challenges. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, as I said, the, the learning lessons the hard way is a uh, it's potentially a valuable thing. Um, it can be it can be challenging at the time, and it can feel it can feel quite you can feel a bit hard done by. I think, but I think it turns you into a better practitioner at the end of the day. That if you if you have certain things that don't land, or you have kind of potentially something a language that a barrier that really you realise that something wasn't as simple as it as it seemed to start with, or you didn't necessarily realise there was a performance question in in a sport because they hadn't thought of thought of biomechanics necessarily or there's equipment that's that's got a number of challenges because it hasn't been used so now there's a load of kit that I know how to use because <laughs> because I didn't know how to start with so I think there's a few a few specifics one of which would be that I think I need to this may be myself or it may be a, a project project stumbling block but I've now realised I need to almost always allow about twice as long as I think I would have needed to start with. So it's always better to, to under-promise and over-deliver. So I wouldn't want a project to, to be able to say, oh, yeah, I'll be able to turn that around with a week. If, if, you're, if you say you can turn it around in a week and it takes you two weeks, then you've just, you've just lost a lot of that buy-in. So if you say it'll take you two weeks, you get it back in a week, people are impressed. So it's always overestimating how long. Um, a big one in biomechanics is pilot testing. So pilot testing is basically trying everything out that you intend to do including the setting including the speeds for example to make sure everything works and trying to do some of that before you get athletes directly involved or potentially before you get your, your most elite athletes involved so there can be quite a lot of technical issues but so to make sure that the kit works in the environment you want it to can be done without athletes I've got a placement student that I, that I work with quite thoroughly so it's really useful for kind of the two of us to almost run a fake project quite a lot of the time to be able to see that 
where issues might come up, there might be kind of magnetic interference or something which might interfere with some of our technology or, you know, the plug socket might be too far away. So there's a lot of things where that kind of piloting can actually can actually really help. And if you try and speed through a project and skip a step, you end up actually stabbing yourself in the foot in the long run because the, that bit of time outlay at the beginning can really can really help things to run a lot smoother as you, as you go forward. I think that's a very important point. And as we come to the end of our time today, I'd like to ask, what do you feel has been your biggest success so far? It's a bit of a challenging question, you know, because I think there's there's different success from different projects. So the projects that kind of you can have a measurable outcome from might seem like the obvious ones to be like, oh, yeah, that, that one clearly succeeded. But I think to have a sport to adapt its its philosophy slightly to to work on an evidence-based technical model, I think is it can be a huge success as well. So I think um, there are a number of sports where we've supported some data collection to, to provide evidence for their kind of technical model and their, their what it takes to win models, as we call it, and as we use those terms quite a lot. But also you have the, the obvious ones I mentioned earlier, the, the paratriathlon one about whether a prosthesis was likely to be a performance performance gain or not, or, or reduce injury risk. And we're able to see that actually, yeah, there probably could be a, a potential injury risk mitigated by using a prosthesis. So there's a number of examples, I think, in which success is quantified in different ways. I think there's a big one as well around individuality and, and having coaches and performance staff understanding that, that variability can be a good thing and to try and understand their athletes on an individual basis. And not, not all sports will have the capacity to be able to do that necessarily, but to to try and at least have that in, in the mentality can be can be really important. Another big one is probably the use of some modern technologies. So we've got some some things we call wearable technologies. So these involve, say, wearing a essentially looks like a morph suit or having this kind of gadget strapped to you. But that means you can actually collect data in environments that typically you haven't been able to before. So an example of that for us is is working with canoeing. So we've been able to collect performance data on water to understand what's actually happening there. Whereas typically that that environment, as you can imagine, could be hugely challenging. You're typically working in a lake that's 100 meters across and 2000 meters long outdoors with water. So if you're trying to use anything with kind of cameras or motion capture systems traditionally, then it's probably got to be one of the most challenging environments you can imagine. But to actually be able to get detailed analysis in that environment has, has been a huge, a huge success. And we've been able to, to feed data back and to understand some parts of performance that just otherwise would not have been highlighted. And we wouldn't have been able to, to know where, where certain nuances were within technique of, of performance. Because if you bring them out of that environment, they, were, they aren't necessarily there. So, for example, on an ergometer, they're not necessarily going to be using the same movement patterns. So... Yeah, there's a, a few big a few big wins and understanding performance in challenging environments, uh, understanding equipment interactions, individual performance variations, and s- some mindset and some evidence-based kind of cultural things as well have, have been quite big successes in, over the last couple of years. It certainly sounds very exciting. And I'd like to wrap things up by looking ahead. Where do the opportunities lie for your department in the near future? What are you most excited about? Oh, I think that's that's an endless question. There's there's all sorts of opportunity and, and excitement ahead for me. So, with my role in particular, I've kind of got so many sports that have got these have got opportunities for, for performance enhancements or for for lowering injury risk. So, there's a huge amount of scope for to have more impact from a biomechanics standpoint across a number of sports. 
And some of those will be in things that I've already mentioned in evidence-based performance and using, utilizing data in better ways, but there'll be a few more. So things that like biofeedback, as a, again, as I mentioned earlier, that actually using biomechanics to, to look at the learning process and to look at how skills are acquired and whether or not we can kind of understand skill acquisition a little bit better and, and development from that perspective. That's a huge area of research in itself. There's then other things like the, looking at training specificity um, I said we've had a few questions in that and there's, there's almost a kind of golden thread in there where you can come from the pure gym-based exercises through to some of the more specific ones say like ergometer training for example in, in kayaking and then moving on to, the, to on water so understanding how you move from a gym to a complex competition environment to be able to look at the whole thread and understand where performance gains can be had and where, where differences in biomechanics can have an impact all the way through that line and we can make sure that we're trying to understand how each step links in with the next one and actually have potentially huge performance enhancement opportunities there and another one's about data interactivity so there's there's exciting things around technology that's always kind of one of the big ones that i've got a, a laptop that works with one of our wearables that's got a multicolored keyboard so everyone always gets quite excited about the multicolored keyboard but actually what we're doing with the data doesn't need to have a multicolored keyboard it can just be it can just be really exciting even even when the background to it is potentially not as exciting so looking at how we create output data that's not just a standardized simple report that might be a, a pdf or a or a powerpoint presentation but actually enables people to interact and engage with that data in a much more a much more versatile way so people are able to kind of not just go oh okay this means this but actually to to kind of improve and increase that questioning mentality of being like oh so what happens about this and I think there's so much to be researched and understood and so much potential impact across sports that every time you come up with one question one performance question there's there's quickly five more to follow it so hopefully the future lies with with more biomechanists and more, more sport understanding more different areas but there's I think there's all sorts of scope for for value add in a number of sports and hopefully at the end of the day more olympic medals. Kat Shin it's been great speaking to you today thank you very much. Thanks Jan.